0: How many of you believe God can do the unbelievable? Amen? We have an amazing God. Father, I pray this morning as we get into your word. God, as we open up this page of scripture about Luke chapter seven and what John went through, the Baptist who was so close to you, God, yet he had these moments that he doubted. I pray, God, that we get real with you. I pray, God, that we get real with ourselves, and we have the courage to get real with one another, God. I pray anybody here in this room, God, that's hurting, maybe just hanging on by a last just ring of thread on the, on, on, on the rope, I pray, God, that you would bring hope. I pray that you bring wholeness. God, we're always expecting when we gather together, we are always expecting you to show up, God. I pray at the end of this service that you release us, God, into the community, that we are a force for change, that we are people, God, who just love without question, that we hope to bring many people, God, back to you. And we don't want to do any of this, God, on our own. We're asking for your spiritual power. We're asking for your Holy Spirit. Less of us, God, and more of you. Help us to be humble in everything that we do, God. We love you. We are expecting great things now. In Jesus' name and everybody said amen amen Amen. god has an unbelievable authority we're going to be talking about that today to open your bibles to luke chapter 7 we're going to be in verses 18 to 35 and so um, before we get there, I just want to highlight a couple of quick things. As you know, this weekend is a big Easter weekend. Friday night is, of course, Good Friday, where we celebrate the sacrifice, the love of God, that Jesus stretched out his arms, that he died on a cross. We're going to celebrate that with a special communion service that's 7 p.m Friday night, so I hope that you'll be here. By the way, it's a great thing to bring your children to, if you have children, and grandparents, we just we're going to come around his table and remember him, honor him, and love him more. And then, of course, on Sunday, that immediate Sunday, we are celebrating the greatest event that ever happened. Jesus has risen from the dead. Now, here's the deal. We have created a lot of things, you know, for our guests because we want them to feel loved and welcomed and cared for. And most of all, we want them to know that they're loved by a God. Maybe, maybe there's going to be some folks that will come here that feel just a little disconnected. They believe in Jesus. They believe in God. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. And so they're coming with something in their mind, but maybe they got disconnected from community, family life, church as we know it. And so they're just wanting to get reconnected. We want to do our very best to help people know that they're loved and important and they matter to Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you, please, if you would, inside of your seat back chair in front of you, there's a long uh, uh, information, just a piece of paper here that just says... uh, On the other side here, of course, Easter services. But it gives you opportunity to get involved. We need some help. We need parking attendants. We need greeters. We need those that are going to help set up, make sure that our grounds look really nice, making sure that things are good in here. There's all kinds of stuff to do, helping children, helping youth. And then after services, we're going to have special activities for all the kids because we really want the kids to know that they're loved by God. And this is a fun place. Knowing God is fun. It's in relationship. We become close to a God who loves and cares for us so this is our big opportunity not just to worship the Lord but to bring somebody with you and most of all you know we really need some help so you can do that you can also do that online if you're going home and thinking you know I got to think about where I want to serve you can get the app download the MVCC app or you can do it online at mvcchome.org Um, This is the special day that I just want to um, let you know, we've been planning, we've been praying for a really long time about providing a better place for our kids and for our teens, our uh, junior high, high school and young adult. Uh, I just, I love this generation coming up behind us um, because I believe they are incredibly intelligent, they have all the access to the internet, they have the freedom to just pick up and go and follow God and do amazing things for God. but they need mentors. They need, they need ones that like you and me that maybe are just a little bit older to show them the way that, you know what, we can follow Jesus together. Even though we come from different generations, there are things that we can learn from each other. I need young people in my life because they bring the fire back in my life. And and then hopefully they need some of us to help them to show the way about, hey, what do I think about a spouse getting married, having kids, buying a house? Do I even want to do that? Or God's calling me to the mission field, or God's calling me to do something, and I don't know what God's calling me to do, but I just need some direction. We want to help one another. And so our children's ministry department, we are moving it from the older building over there, our preschool and kids club building number two and three, we're moving it over on this side behind the worship center. So there's just some slides up here that we wanted to show you. Um, this is the renovation that we're doing within our children's department. is all for the sake of our kids knowing God and becoming true disciples Followers of Jesus. And we want to provide a place for kids to invite their friends. They got kids on the soccer field, they got friends, you know, on the baseball field, in school, activities, neighborhood. And we want to provide this fun atmosphere for people to come to know God. And most of all, we want the children to be blessed of God. So, This is something that we are doing because we believe God is in it. We've planned for it. Your generosity has helped us to get there. And I just wanted you to know that it's under construction. We're excited about it. And uh, it's going to be happening, hopefully done in the next two or three months. And so would you please pray um, about this place being just an amazing place for children and youth? Palm Sunday, this is the day that we remember Jesus rode into Jerusalem that his final week of his life here on earth, his 33 years on earth, this was the moment that he was going into Jerusalem. And there's one word that describes the entire Palm Sunday as I believe Jesus came in on a donkey, the way the scripture tells us, in a humble spirit, expectation. The people, the Jewish people, were expecting Jesus to, to wipe away the Roman government. Jesus, you're going to be the military Messiah. You're going to save us from all these worldly problems, from, from pandemic, from famine, from the, 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 the congestion of all the governmental rules. Jewish people, we, just, we, we can't worship freely. We, we need freedom. And Jesus, you're going to bring that freedom. So we expect you to come with an iron fist, and we expect you to come and just wipe the slate clean and start over, and we want to be part of your kingdom. That was their expectation. It was very high and it was just days later that those very same people who had the expectation wanted God to do something that they wanted God to do, yet Jesus came for a specific will and specific purpose. If Jesus did not die on the cross, we'd be lost. And they they couldn't get that because their hearts were so hardened because they wanted what they wanted from God. Have you ever been in a situation where you had this expectation, God, you got to do this. Or I know you can do this. And our expectation is high of what we want God to do. And then when he didn't come through for us the way we wanted it, we started to doubt. Anybody here been a victim of doubt? When um, my pastor who was here at this church for 27 years, Pastor Mac, made a decision to retire after a long stay of serving God here, I was his associate pastor at the time, and so the board of directors had approached me about um, filling in his position. They said, Well, we've got to have great faith. We'll give Mike a chance to do it. So they asked if I'd step into the pulpit and lead the church. And I remember my expectations because I had been thinking about this God, if you place me in that position, I I, want to fulfill, God, what you want me to do. It's your church, God. I want to lead well, I want to serve well. And I want the church to be influential and a powerful place where, God, you just reside and do your will, where we're not just bringing people to you, Jesus, but we are discipling people. We are helping people to grow in their faith in Jesus Christ. So I had certain expectations, and those expectations were this. Everybody in the church is going to be on board, first of all, love Jesus Christ with all their heart. See, you're already laughing because you know there is no perfect church where everybody loves God and everybody's on board with the gospel. I thought, well, if the pastor leads from the word and he's honest in his heart and does his very best, everybody will just follow the vision that the pastor has. Wrong. Number two, doesn't work that way. And certainly all the staff, man, nobody would be out for themselves. Nobody would be uh, conniving or working behind the scenes or trying to steal this or move this or they got their own vision and division off of the vision. And I thought, everybody's just gonna be on board together. We're gonna be this incredible team. We're gonna stay together forever. And we're gonna have multiple campuses and thousands of people are gonna come to Christ and, and we're gonna have a discipleship plan that'll be a model. All these expectations that I had and it didn't work out on my timetable. I have a question for you in this. Do you have expectations in your marriage? Of course you do. Do you have expectations for your children if if you have them? Do you have expectations for your grandkids? Maybe you're single today, and God, I want so much to have a godly man. I want to have a godly woman. I want to have this relationship that, God, you're in the center of it. And my expectation is I brought this long list to you, God, of the man that I want, that he's going to love me with all his heart. He's going to serve you, God, and we're just going to be a team for you or him or whatever the situation is about you want to be married or maybe you're here and you want to be not married anymore. I don't know. Whatever situation you're in, the expectation, if we're not careful, can get in the way because it's our expectation. We have to be careful. And then what happens is we start to doubt when God doesn't do what I want God to do on His my timetable. Have you ever doubted the very existence of God? Oh, pastors are never supposed to do that. Or how about I have certainly had moments in my life where I have doubted, God, what are you doing? What are you allowing Do you understand, God, how much we need you? Do you understand, God, if you just did this over here, then we could do this over here, and your kingdom would grow? All those things, those conversations that I've had with God, and yet I don't know what it is about me, but I still have moments where I doubt. Now, this would be an easy sermon out of Luke chapter 7, Except this one is a very difficult one because I don't like the fact that the guy that we're going to talk about here, John the Baptist, had doubts. Let me introduce you just a little refresher course on John the Baptist and who he is. He is an amazing servant of God. He's the one who preached that Jesus was the coming way. He's the one that pointed that Jesus is the way. He's the one that Jesus, literally think about this, he baptized Jesus down into the Jordan River. And before he baptized him, he said, Lord, I can't baptize you. I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie the very sandals that you're wearing. He was a humble man. He spent years in the wilderness being trained by the Holy Spirit that when his voice came upon the Jewish people, he absolutely wasted no words. In fact, Jesus called him in Scripture the greatest of all the prophets. That's from Moses, from Abraham, David. Habakkuk, all the prophets of God, Esther, every single prophet, John the Baptist was the greatest of all. I mean, how would you like Jesus to say, of all my servants, he was the greatest. Of all the ones that served me, she, she was the greatest. That was John the Baptist. He was an incredible individual. Now we find ourselves in Luke chapter 7 while he's in prison. This is a theologically significant passage of scripture, and we'll get to that. John's birth was a miracle. In fact, it's recorded in Luke chapter 1. In that same chapter, his entrance into the world came with angelic beings. His life paralleled Jesus Christ in this. He was absolutely humble in heart. He proclaimed that Jesus was the Christ. Even though there were some that said, no, John, we believe you're the Christ. In fact, we believe that you're Elijah come back from the dead. He said, no, he must become greater and I must become greater. Less. he stood and proclaimed he looked at all those religious people those hypocritical people that wore the flowing robes that wore the tor- that had the torah under their arm they knew the scriptures they knew the protocol they went to sabbath every single saturday they tried to follow the letter of the law it was all because of pride and arrogance and he looked at them square in the eye and he said these words you brood of vipers who has bewitched you you whitewashed tombs you, you, you say you love God with your lips, but your hearts you are so far. And his favorite word in all of his messages were, repent. Certainly not politically correct in a day like today, would it have been? I mean, John the Baptist probably would have had a very small church. But I believe because he stayed so on point with the message, he did what God called him to do. There were thousands that came because I believe people want truth. They don't want truth in hate and condemnation, but they want truth in love, and John was the man to bring the truth. His favorite theme was repent, why? Because the kingdom of God is upon you. Jesus is coming. I like John because he was authentic, because he was real, because he had conviction. He is the only one in the Bible, at least that I'm aware of, that it says he was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. He spoke truth. He was a fiery, apocalyptic prophet. His influence was unfathomable. And in his darkest hour, while he is in that cold, lifeless, rat-infested cell, in his darkest moment, he questions, Jesus, are you really the one? So it's with that, let's read the text now. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 7, Luke seven eighteen to 35. We're going to read it in its entirety, and then we're going to listen to what I believe God has for us this morning. As John is in that cell, the disciples of John, John the Baptist, told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called for two of his disciples, and he sent them to the Lord to ask him, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we be looking for someone else? john's two disciples found jesus and said to him john the baptist has sent us to ask are you the messiah we've been expecting or should we be looking for someone else can i just stop here for just a quick second and say this bothers me this this is unearthing to me because john was the one who he looked at jesus and saw him you are the lamb of god he baptized him he saw jesus face to face he saw god he knew the scriptures. He preached. In fact, he put his life on the line because he believed that Jesus was the one. And now he's doubting? And at the very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits. And he restored sight to many who were blind. And then he told John's disciples now, look, I, I want you to go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor, man. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. And after John's disciples left, Jesus began talking. Now watch, Jesus shifts his conversation. He's talking to John's disciples, but now Jesus turns to the crowd and he begins to address them with this. After John's disciples left, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. I want you to see here, even though John the Baptist was doubting, even though he may not have believed, he may have felt like Jesus had completely left him, Jesus never forgot about John. Look look how he stands up for John in the midst of John's accusers, right? What kind of man? Talking to some of the Jewish people, what kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expected to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people who wear beautiful clothes and live in luxury are found in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. We'll continue on in verse 29. When they heard this, all the people, even the tax collectors, agreed that God's way was right. For they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and experts in religious law rejected God's plan for them, for they had refused John's baptism. To what can I compare the people of this generation, Jesus asked. How can I describe them? They are like children playing a game in the public square. They complain to their friends. We played wedding songs and you didn't dance, so we played for funeral songs and you didn't weep. For John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating bread or drinking wine, and you say he's possessed by a demon? And the Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it why do you religious people constantly looking for everything that's wrong do you see what jesus is doing now he's talking kind of harsh here to those but they were hindering people from getting to god so this is very important that we see that jesus was full of grace and truth there are two things that extract out of this text number one is this john experienced why was he doubting in the middle of that rat infested prison cell i believe because john was experiencing personal tragedy is there anyone here going through some personal tragedy? Maybe one or two. Okay, then I would just say, hang on, hang on, because life will get you, right? We're gonna go through something personal that's difficult, that's, that's, Jesus, I can't get through this without you. He was experiencing personal tragedy. He did everything God called him to do. He was faithful to God. He did the will of God. He followed the Spirit. He prepared well. He did everything that Jesus had asked and commanded and called. And now he finds himself sitting in this cell. Man, I don't know about you, but there have been moments I have felt like I have been sitting in a cell. God, where are you? What are you doing? Why are you allowing this? God, if you certainly did this, then this over here could be done so much better. Have you had those conversations with God? And then I start to doubt. I start to doubt. God, did I step out of your will? Is your will really in this? I think the second reason why John, I tell you, this is tough. Why Why? John the Baptist, the greatest of all the prophets, and he's doubting. I I want you just to grab onto this. Jesus has all authority, unbelievable authority, but he chooses to pick people even like John the Baptist. This encourages my heart because there are moments that I have doubts about God. What are you doing? And I think John had an expectation of what God should be doing, and when God did not do what John thought he should be doing, John started to doubt. Why do I say that? I have read this text many times over the years of following Jesus. I've heard sermons on it. I've seen videos where Jesus has, you know, John was in prison and Jesus was out doing miracles. But I te- this is the first time as I just dug down a little bit deeper. In Matthew chapter 3, if you want to turn over there, or just make a reference in your notes. In verses 11 to 12, Jesus, it's recorded here what John said about Jesus. As people are coming to John saying, John, you're the one. See those those baptism waters. I want you to see hundreds of people getting baptized by John. We're talking about a revival. People are repenting of the stuff they did wrong and they're getting right with God. And yet here's what the people say and here's what John says. He will baptize you. The one is coming. He will baptize you, watch this, with the Holy Spirit and with fire he is ready to, watch this now he is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with the winnowing fork then he will clean up the threshing area gathering the wheat into his barn but watch this burning the chaff which is a never-ending fire fire and winnowing fork he's doubting i believe because he's thinking jesus you're out healing all these people you've got crowds of people I understand that the eyes of the blind are now open. The ears of the deaf are now open. People are being raised from the dead. Lepers are being healed. I get all that stuff. But I'm stinking, I'm in this stinking prison, and you're out healing people. Where's the fork? Where's the fire? Where's the winnowing chaff? Where's the separation from all those people that played the game of hypocrisy? But they really didn't love you. Come on, Jesus. Where's your fork? Where are you going to divide everybody? Where's your fire? Do you see what... I, I, this, is, this is like revelation to me I understand now it wasn't that John's heart was hard it wasn't that he was a bad guy it doesn't mean that, 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 that the Holy Spirit left him it didn't mean that God didn't love him anymore it just meant that he had an expectation that was different than what God had I thought Jesus you were gonna have you ever had a gonna moment with God God, I thought you were gonna. I thought I was gonna be married by now. I thought I was gonna be over my past by now. God, I thought you were gonna heal my husband. God, I thought that you were gonna help me conquer over depression. God, I thought, I, I thought you were gonna help me with this anger. God, I thought you were gonna help me with this financial God, I thought you were going to help us with our child who's been diagnosed with a mental illness. The expectation that we have might be completely different than God's perfect plan. I know that's not what you want to hear. I know that that's hard to swallow. I'm with you in this. I get it. God gave me this, this doesn't happen often, but once in a while in prayer, I will see a vision that God gave me, and the vision that God gave me was people, I think I mentioned this to you, people in Mission Viejo, in Mission Viejo, where we have lots of money and things, and we're so distracted by the things of the world, people in Mission Viejo were getting right with God. And I saw thousands of people. I saw churches filled. I I saw Bible churches filled with people, not just Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because they were asking the pastor, we want to worship this God who loves us and who's changed our lives. We want more worship services. The services on Sunday were completely packed, of people, not so much religious people, but people who are absolutely desperate for God, people that were strung out on drugs, people with alcoholic problems, people with depression, people on, the, uh, on just the brink of suicide, I mean, people with massive issues, people who realized for the first time, I thought I had my life all together, I'm a good guy, I'm a good woman, but I still got this hole in my heart and I'm missing something in my life. I need God. I solve that. The danger of seeing a vision is, God, why aren't you doing that now? It's hard, right? It's hard. When you see something from God, or you sense God wants to do something, God, you should do this now. And I can give you 10 reasons, God. If you brought the revival now, why have you the perfect timing? Jesus, where's the fork and the fire that that word just keeps just ringing in my head? Jesus has all unbelievable authority, but He chooses to use somebody, even who was doubting him, who was called the greatest of all the prophets. What I love about John, I want you to see something here. He took his doubt directly to God. He couldn't get out of the prison cell, but he told his disciples, could you go find Jesus and could you ask him these questions because I have them. And this is what I love about John. He's completely real, authentic. He's raw. I think that's what our world needs today. They do not need this candy-coated Christian stuff where we have it all together. We have our life together. Everything's happy and wonderful. And behind the facade, our heart is breaking or we got issues and problems and struggles or we're secretly downing the alcohol or we're stewing pot, lolo, And we say, oh no, no, my life is wonderful. I love you, Jesus. And we're doing all these things, sleeping around. It's time to get right with God because he has something so much better for us. The world does not need Christian people who think they have it all together because we don't. And I don't certainly want to give a license for sin. I don't want to say, well, we can just go out and do whatever we want because Jesus will forgive us. It doesn't work like that. I mean, Jesus will forgive us, but that attitude and that, 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 that progression of, of living will only lead us to destruction, pain, and heartache. There's two things here. John was called the greatest of all the prophets. I want you to see this. And yet he doubted. Don't feel bad in your life if you have these moments where you doubt. I think, I think there's something... I tell you, when my, my parents passed... There was this ache and loss in my heart, and, 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 and there were people that, they, they tried their best, they, they tried to help me, but sometimes they would say things like, oh, don't say that, don't say be strong, because I'm not strong in this, I miss my mom, I miss my dad. Every Mother's Day, it's a reminder, I miss my mom, and, and to say, oh, no, I don't hurt, oh, no, I don't have pain, oh, no, I don't remember this, or I don't, it hurts, but the, here's the thing. The quicker that I admit it, the quicker that I'm in touch with it, Jesus can come to my rescue. Jesus can come to my rescue. Just like he can do for any one of us here. The second thing is, now this, hear me in this, because this is, where, this is where the enemy wants you to live. He does not want you to dig into to Luke chapter 7 and learn from this guy, John. The enemy wants us to live in a state of confusion and uncertainty. If he can have you live in a place where you're not certain, Even though you have doubts, he will have won the day. So what do you do when you doubt? What do we do? What do I do? I always preach here. Pastor Mike, you're first, buddy. You're up first to bat. You're the lead pastor. You're the lead servant. So I'm going to deal with you first. The misnomer that, well, Christians don't really get afraid. Christians should never fear because Jesus says in the Bible over and over again, don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. I get all that. That's truth. But still, the fact is, I get afraid. Why did he tell Joshua? Why did God tell Joshua three times in Joshua chapter 1, be strong and courageous? Because he wasn't strong and courageous, right? you, You see where we're going with this? I think we just have this, we have this expectation that we have to be like Jesus and everything. We will never get to that expected level until we get to heaven. When we get there, we get a new body, we get a new mind, we get a new spirit, we get everything. But until then, there's gonna be struggle, there's gonna be pain, and yes, there's gonna be some doubts. Did I really marry the right one? I'm not talking about me. I'm just saying you might have that thought in your head. God, what are you doing? Where are you here's here's what i I want to just wind this down with. Jesus is doing what he's doing. Didn't Jesus say in the book of John, "I am at my father's work, Amen. right?" Jesus always does what the Father tells him to do. That's where our comfort comes from. We're following the one. We're following Jesus who always does the will of the Father. Why? Because he wants to be an example to us. The passion of your life, the passion of my life ought to be God first. Kingdom first. Kingdom is first. That doesn't mean that I don't love my spouse more. It doesn't mean that I don't love my kids more. It doesn't mean that I can't love my job. It doesn't mean that I want to get ahead in the business world or be the greatest stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad. Whatever season God has called you to, he wants you to do that with all your heart for Jesus Christ. And kingdom is first. Amen. I just feel like the Lord is speaking right now in this moment. God is speaking to somebody right now. It's okay to have doubts. Bring those doubts to me. Don't be afraid. Because the more that you stuff it down, it doesn't get dealt with. And then we start acting out, don't we? You know what God uses to strengthen our faith? I tell you, I don't like this, but it's truth. Disappointment. Because when I'm disappointed with what God has done or is doing, it causes me to go one or two ways. I can either leave God or ignore God, or I can grab onto Jesus that much more and say, Jesus, I don't like this, I don't understand this, but I trust you. I trust you. you know what the devil uses to destroy our faith? Disappointment. The devil will try to bring disappointment into your life to destroy your faith. But you're not going to let him because you're gonna allow the Holy Spirit to work in you to strengthen your faith in him. You are stronger, Christian. You are stronger, man of God. You are stronger, woman of God. Even when bad things happen and there's disappointments with God, you are stronger because you grab onto him even more. So you know what I really want out of this text? I wish I could rewrite one of the verses in the Bible. I really wish I could because I would write, and the angel of the Lord came and busted open the doors And John the Baptist came out of the prison doors and he was freed. And he did ministry with Jesus for another three years. (laughs) But it doesn't say that. John never got out of prison. John was beheaded by King Herod Antipas who John called out on the carpet. Do you remember that? You're messing around with your sister's sister's cousin cousin. There was a relation there problem happened. You're messing around on your wife. You haven't even divorced yet. And you're already living with her and you've married her. You've, you've fouled this whole thing up. And he said, Herod, you need to repent. You're the king. And he says, I know what we'll do with this guy. Get rid of him. So that's why Jesus starts asking questions. By the way, when Jesus asks questions in the Bible, it's, it's not because he doesn't know. He wants to reveal to the people that he's talking to, these, this is the truth and there are answers here. Who did you come out to see? Did you come out to see some mealy-mouthed, milk tote Christian that couldn't stand up for anything? Did you expect to see some guy with gold rings on and drive all these cars and big houses and ask for more money and it's all about him? No, that's not the way John was. John didn't even have a place to lay his head. He was in the wilderness. He wore camels, leather around his waist, gluten-free honey. He ate locusts. He was weird. He didn't have all this money and all this stuff. All he wanted was no compromise, baby. He was no compromise. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry that you're mourning the loss. Some of you are mourning the loss of John. But you know why he was here, because he trusted in me. Do you see how Jesus stood up for John? I just, I need you to see that. There was a student that came into his professor's office in a Bible college at that. Came to him, tears streaming down his face, and he said, I don't believe in God anymore, and slammed down his Bible. And the professor got up, gave his student a big hug, and he said, that's okay, because God still believes in you. I tell you, I don't know if somebody needed to hear that today. I certainly do. I need to hear every day, God, you are for us. God doesn't want to hurt us. Yes, bad things happen, but we trust him more. And we understand that God has a greater plan. there's a guy in the Bible, I don't like the way that they, we say his name, Doubting Thomas. I mean, you can make one mistake and someone can define your whole life. Have you ever experienced that? I don't think, unless, I could be wrong, but I don't think it says Doubting Thomas in the Bible. It says Thomas who had a twin didymus but we gave him the name doubting thomas if we're going to start down that road then why not all the disciples who were locked away in the upper room afraid after jesus died that they were afraid for their very life i mean when we want to start going that road let's call scaredy simon right locked door levi right we, we could go down the road with all that we all have doubts we all have fears Jesus, watch this, appeared to him, th- to all those, all those men who followed him for three years. After his resurrection, he appeared to them through the wall. Thomas wasn't even there. Thomas, it took days. He wasn't even with the disciples, I don't believe. <laughs> Jesus didn't rise from the dead with his arms crossed like this. And then Thomas comes into the room. I just, I need you to see this. So we're gonna close with this. Because the very same John, the John, baptized who called forth that Jesus is coming. Believe in him. Repent. Turn. Thomas says, I don't believe. (laughs) Jesus did not say, Thomas, (laughs) you followed me for three years. How come you don't believe? What's the matter with you? Get your faith together. You're better than this. He did not do that. He said, Thomas, come here with his nail-scarred hands, gently, I believe, took Thomas' hand, pressed it into his side, and said, Thomas, feel my side. I'm real. I know you're disappointed. I know you have doubts. But Jesus says, come to me, all that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, the older that I'm getting on this earth, I, I'm more concerned and more encouraged by the scars that you have. When I was a younger pastor, I attended a seminar, and there were all these workshops and the one that I chose to go to, and I didn't realize this until I walked in, there was about 20 different workshops. And it was by a pastor by the name of Bob Russell. He wrote a book, The 10 Biggest Mistakes I've Made in Ministry. The room was packed. Because quite honestly, I'm not looking for all the successes. I'm looking for what did you do when you didn't have success? I was pulling some wood out of my truck and one of them had a nail on it a couple days ago and it scraped me right here. Oh, it hurts so bad. And I thought to myself, you dummy, how did you let that happen? But now there's, though there's a wound, I know that there's going to be a scar there and that scar is a remembrance of that difficult day that I had. But God is always faithful, man. Touch my hands feel my side. I'm here. Just in closing, I I I really want you to do this. We're just going to put this on your notes here in the seat back in front of you. I just really want you to recognize the reality of doubt. I want you to be okay at peace with there's going to be moments that you're going to have doubts. Don't pretend. Don't push it away. It's going to happen think it's good to recognize the reason for the doubt, though. We can't just, oh, well, I just doubt. I think it's good to recognize, why am I doubting here? Is it because I'm avoiding something? Is it because I've got some scars? I've got some hurt and pain that I don't want to deal with? Unfavorable circumstances, unfulfilled expectation. God, you said you were, I thought, God, you were going to do this. And the last one is to recognize the remedy when we doubt and i think as we talked about the bible so clear just admitting it when we doubt examining the evidence and listening to the word jesus always took people back to the word why is it so important that we talk about this this morning because we are partnering with god on a mission to save the world and they need real people who are loving and on mission. God, we love you. Thank you for, thank you for John the Baptist who was such, such a pillar in the scripture. He was so strong. He was so bold. He was so confident and so uncompromising in his faith. And yet we see the side of him that doubts. And we just want to say thank you that your Bible tells it all that you don't hold anything back so that we can learn. I pray, God, anyone here that's struggling with doubting you or what you're doing or why didn't you do this, oh God, I pray your compassion just falls all over them by the Holy Spirit power, God. And remind them, Lord, it's okay. Come. Feel my hands. See the evidence. I'm still here. Trust in me. Jesus' name. Amen. So. Jesus passed out the bread and the wine to the disciples. Because he wanted them to know this is a serious moment. This is the last few moments I'm going to have. And I want you to remember me. And I don't want you to remember a plan. I want you to remember me. So as I have loved you. Now you go and love one another. So this communion time, I just want to encourage you, maybe there's some doubts you've been struggling with, I want to encourage you to remember that Jesus understands, and you can bring them to him now. I just want to ask you also, just silently maybe be in prayer for the person to the right or to the left, and it's okay if you don't know them, it's okay if you don't know the situation, but the Holy Spirit does, and I think it's good that we just take a moment and pray for each other while we're remembering the greatest gift of all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.